0: And welcome to our vodcast, All the Things. And we are here to talk about all the things.
1: Faith,
2: politics, race, gender.
0: All the things that have been off the table, we're going to talk about those things. Again, welcome to All the Things. Let's get started with today's episode. Hello all, I'm Fernell Miller.
2: I'm Dr. Jen Self.
0: And I
1: am Aaron Jones and we are here to talk about all of the things. Welcome. <sighs> uh,
2: we're now, what are we
1: talking?
2: we're continuing ahead, ahead. our look. We're continuing our look at the, the culture of white supremacy.
0: So we've done perfectionism and uh, either-or, either or binary thinking. And so tonight we're gonna tackle defensiveness. Get your dupes up, defensiveness. <laughs>
1: And just a reminder for those of you that are just tuning in right now, it comes from the Characteristics of White Supremacy Culture by Kenneth Jones and Tima Okun. So if you want to go back and look at the Change Work document, it's a really great resource um, for anyone that's doing work in systems.
0: And again, it's not an attack on people or any persons. We're taking a a deep look at the culture of white supremacy, which we all are raised in, swim in, operate in, and it wraps us all, all of us of all colors in the culture um, that upholds um, whiteness and white supremacy ideolo- ideology. So that's what we're looking at. And for further reference, you want to start with the pyramid. Um, this is a good example of where the defensiveness comes from and, and kind of hangs out and starts and um, this reference is from the adapted from Ellen Tazzulo and Safe House Progressive Alliance for Nonviolence. <clears throat> they have a dam- diagram there. And for those who are are listening and not able to see, it's a, pi- a pyramid. And in a pyramid, every brick depends on the ones below it for support. If the bricks at the bottom were removed, the whole structure comes tumbling down. And so, at the bottom, it starts with a whole layer of uh, indifference. The poli- you know, talking about the policies that don't affect me, avoiding confrontation with, with uh, racial family members, remaining a- apolitical, not challenging racial jokes. Um, there's always two sides to every story. The the minimizing. Um, um, it doesn't matter who you vote for, it's, it, it's, it's just a joke mentality, the get over slavery, not all white people, all of those um, uh, po- um, uh, attributes or characteristics or, or thought patterns are what keep the bricks at the bottom in place and as you move up the pyramid um, the racism is more veiled. Um, we turn it uh, against the, the, the victim. We keep our racist mascots and tokenism intact uh, in, in and keep re- um, pointing to the bootstrap theory um, and the Eurocentric curriculum that um, our schools are continuing to uphold. Um, and as you move up, then we get into outright discrimination, the ro- racial pro- profiling and hiring discrimination the stop and frisk rules the redlining that continues the, even the internal redlining uh the racial slurs and as you keep co- continuing to the top to wonder well how does how does this genocide and mass murder happen all the way at the tippy tippy top it's because it's upheld by this indifference minimization veiled racism and then discrimination and then the calls for violence all the way at the top the confederate uh, flags, the the burning crosses, the KKK, the N-word, all the way up to the violence of lynching and hate crimes and unjust uh, police shootings to the mass murders and genocide. And so that's how the, the pyramid is, is structured to keep all that uh, in place with the simple word of denial. So that's a that's a start. There you go. Yeah, I think, you know, the
1: way that is, I think diagrams are always really useful to help people visualize. So I would encourage those of you that are just listening to try to find that diagram. There's a way when you see stuff, it really makes plain what you're feeling out in the world. And so I want to encourage you to go get that document. Um, When I think about defensiveness, I also, all three of us are athletes. And so we've spent lifetimes being critiqued by coaches and by our fellow players. And it's just part of the work, right? You don't get great at something without being critiqued. And, and you have a choice as an athlete. Either you get better or you get gone, right? I mean, there's not like, when your coach tells you you're not doing this right, I need you to do it this way, either you do it right so you can play or you don't play. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think when I think about defensiveness, I think about the reality that for us as athletes, because we got to a high level in each of our disciplines, we had to learn, like defensive just doesn't work. Defensiveness and sports doesn't work. Like you can tell your coach, um, man, I know you wanted me to do it this way, but I I couldn't do it because of this or that or the other. Then you just don't get to play. And you would never make it to the level that we made it if we constantly were making excuses. I think about defensiveness as an excuse. Like it's always making excuses for, why I do this, why I say this, why I don't stand up for this, why? And and I think as athletes, we have all had to learn to not be defensive because we wouldn't have survived as athletes if we were always in that defensive mode. And I think that's such a gift in this work is that we all have had to live through being critiqued. And so for us, our natural response is, okay, how do I get better? I think defensiveness is also a shield to getting better. Like, I don't want to get better. I'm just good, right? And I have never been fine with being average. I've (laughs) never been fine. I always have wanted to be better. And, you know, so I just, that's the first thing that I thought when I read the defensiveness one is, man, I have always pushed against that because I want to get better at stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I never thought about it that way, actually thinking thinking about athletics like that. But that's really it's really a good point about that.
0: Well, I just sent Erin yesterday. We we were watching um, one of the Nastia Lukian Lucans gymnastics tournament, and I the, the whole oh, yeah. floor, junior division, and senior division, was full of black girls. And I mean, I was shaking yeah. and crying. Like I, yeah. I I would have given anything to see one black gymnast when I was going through and at the collegiate level where I was competing, I I never saw myself. And if I would have been defensive about any of that, I wouldn't even Mm -hmm. been able to be in that gym. And so you see all my, Mm -hmm. my pictures I have on, you know, leotards that aren't the same color as the team, because the judges couldn't, you know, take my dark skin and a black and gold leotard, you know, in high school and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, know, putting my hair and all these crazy ways to make it look uh, you know into white white culture more acceptable and just i mean i used to compete without my glasses on because they could you know they didn't want me to be i I, just all this crazy stuff didn't even have anything to do with my skill you know i could take critique and you know help me get better but the things i can't change you want me to do what now so i can go out and the really that's what i'm talking about and so to to watch the just the beauty, the, the the skill, the the grace in the brown skin and dark skinned girl. Like I have never gotten to witness any space where that many um, female gymnasts that look like me. That was the mm-hmm. first time in my, I'm 59 years old. That was the first time in my life I've ever seen a sight like that. Yeah. And to have to wait that long.
2: Hmm.
0: So yeah, I could have had some defensiveness about a whole bunch of stuff mm-hmm yeah. kind of been locked out like like lots of us in the margins are already locked out mm-hmm. we raise our hand to go hey wait that doesn't work for me and then and then the attack is on 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 me because I told you that it's not working that uh, you left me you know
1: it's so interesting I just want to call this out because you said something here that's really powerful that I just don't want us to miss You didn't get to be defensive. You're absolutely right. We don't have that option to be defensive about this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like we Mm -hmm. don't even, as soon as it gets to the tip of your tongue, we have learned better than to try to critique. That's right. Like we're shut down even as you think the thought.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually saw, there was a clip I saw of uh, Simone Biles the other night. She was on um, Dancing with the Stars and there was a whole critique of her because she was she was um there well she there's a clip of this on youtube but she's uh, she's done with her dance and then um the host said you know i was wondering why you weren't smiling more when you know they were giving you the numbers and she said well smiles don't win gold medals but the other thing that i thought was hmm. well also black women don't get to have emotion you don't get to have big smiles and you don't get to have big anger you just like have to be like right here you get to be right here, and that's it. Mm. And she knows that Simone knows that she's like I. You know, I've been competing in front of people for my whole life. I'm the I'm the I'm the world's greatest gymnast, and I've been and, you know and, picked and, apart. And I know she's like I know how I have to be. Don't tell me to smile. Don't tell Don't tell me what to do, Tom right. Bergeron or whoever he is. Right.
0: Nobody can do what I do. I'm only competing at, against myself at this point and right. I critique my own self, but let look at me stand here and take all of that from you. <laughs> That's right. Like,
2: look at me, look at me do this again, Tom Bergeron, <laughs> whatever. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: When I wondered too, we're not allowed to smile unless we're told to smile. Right. Right. Because right. at the other side of that is the Sambo, right? The, right. you know, dance for us and smile for us. Right. Right. Then it's, so, then, yeah
2: then it's okay. That's why, that's why she, right. Cause then he, then he's like, smile, smile for me. And, and she's just like,
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah.
0: no, yeah. I'm not sure if we read the definition of de- defensiveness for folks who maybe don't have it there. Do you have it in front of you? Any Anybody to
1: I do, I got it. Okay. So it's the organizational structure set up and much energy spent trying to prevent abuse and protect power as it exists rather than to facilitate the best out of each person or to clarify who has power, back to Dr. Jen, what you just said, and how they are expected to use it mm-hmm. because of either or thinking, criticism of those with power is viewed as threatening and inappropriate, or, I mean, it's, we hadn't read it yet, but we were basically literally just reading through it just now in our response. People respond to new or challenging ideas with defensiveness, making it very difficult to raise these ideas. A lot of energy in the organization is spent trying to make sure that people's feelings aren't getting hurt. Well, white people's feelings aren't getting hurt. Um, Let me just clarify. clarify. White people's feelings aren't getting hurt or working around defensive people. The last one, the defensiveness of people in power creates an oppressive culture.
0: And there it is. And we're just talking about um, a colleague of of mine, we were just introducing on our last podcast of Keisha Rogers and Sarah So and and Keisha and I served on a diversity equity committee and we're both kicked off because we are black women who have (laughs) We spoke out, we said, well, this isn't quite right and can we help and here we are in the room to help, but we even even with that. And the, the between four and seven where we get to operate in not too not too excited not too not excited, you know, and then you know here with a smile on and a in a wink to make sure everybody's comfortable, even in that. In the area that we we have clearly the, the most expertise to speak to we're not invited back and and and, by the way, and. Your kindergarten boy is is kicked out of the district for social emotional behavior the very thing that they're trying to do now so it's like how how do you how do you operate in this oxymoron and then and and then now she's the director of diversity in her whole company and now i've started my own company and, and yet we weren't good enough to you know sit in a committee and and help advise the community and uh, you know a school district to um to help include um the most marginalized and invisible kids who stand out Uh, like raisins and and hyper hyper blackness in such a uh, white space and you know that's just supporting that culture more so and we don't get to be defensive or say anything about it because then oops you're kicked out it's all of a sudden it's we have an attitude problem then or it's a a political indifference I mean some you know, there's a cycle. There's a, a cartoon about it when they love black women to first come in and the honeymoon. and Oh, we need your help. And oh, thank you. Thank you. And then when when action needs to happen, when rubber meets road and when, when they actually have to put to put to um do the thing that actually needs to be done, all of a sudden there's an issue and the black women are disappeared. And then, you know, what, what happened? We just the spinning, you know, that's exactly how white supremacy works is the denial. And then we spin in it and deny some more. So, um, not much getting done that way. So, we wanna, I love what you said last night, Erin, about uh, calling in and up. I want you to talk about that too.
1: Oh, yeah. What so, we about I, this
0: defensiveness?
1: So, and I wanna read back part of the definition, because I was literally just gonna say something about this. So, part of the definition is, um, the structure set up and much energy spent trying to prevent abuse and protect power as it exists rather than to facilitate the best out of each person. So all of us are educators, we're all parents. And my job as an educator is to help both my students, but then my colleagues around me become their best self. Like that's just why I got into teaching. It's what I love about teaching is helping people become better versions of themselves. As a parent, That's my job for my children is to help them step into the best version of themselves. And so, you know, one of the revelations I had a long time ago as a teacher is if I belittle and berate my students or my children, if I dehumanize them, then why are they going to want to learn from me? Why are they going to respect me, right? And so I've always believed you speak into students and into children and into your colleagues what you want them to Respond, I speak in such a way that I I want to receive back. So, if I want to get positive and growth mindset out of them, I have to speak that into them. Mm -hmm. And so, one of the revelations I had last week, and I I did a TikTok video about this, is I think we need to stop calling people out and down. So, let's stop calling people out and shaming them and start calling them in and up into the best version of themselves. So, Mm -hmm. stop with the out and down. and start with the in and up yeah and i think our culture and white culture in particular is about shaming people into being better and science has proven shaming people actually doesn't do long-term change change people will change temporarily with shame but it's not lasting sustainable change does not happen with shame
2: no it doesn't it doesn't work at all It, it just drives it drives whatever behavior is underground and it
0: It'll come out another way. Makes
2: it makes it worse. <laughs> it makes it worse. And it comes out somewhere else. That's exactly right for now. It comes out somewhere else.
0: So, yeah, yeah.
1: so I'm curious, Dr. Jen, as a, just with your background in counseling and psychology, I mean, talk a little bit more about that, about the effects of shame and, and where you see defensiveness show up even clinically in people and um, what you see on that side of things.
2: Well, I mean, shame, I mean, I think shame is ubiquitous in American culture. I mean, it's, it's, um, I don't know if there's a, I don't know if there's a person that I see that isn't dealing with shame in some, in some way, shape or form. Um, I think it's in, certainly in white, in, in parents who are, who are white, I think it's one of the primary forms of parenting, (laughs) I think it's really one of the one of the things that we are taught we've been passing it down, like this is how you parent is through is through is through shaming, um, and uh, and so so and so you know we we know we start to develop who we are by the time we're five we really know we know we our brain is really wired for who we are and how we start to think about the world and so by that time if we've been shamed enough, we're, we've already, we've already decided how our relationship, how we feel about our relationships, how we feel about ourselves in relationship. And so then the rest of our life, we are do, undoing that shame. Um, and I mean, I, I have my own experiences with that and I've been carrying that into, you know, into my adulthood. And so I see that a lot around, I see that a lot around, um, I see that a, a lot around identity. So it can, it can be in any kind of identity. Um, you know it can be gender or sexuality, it can be around religion, it can be around relieving religion. it can be around um, uh, it can be around people white people who want to be anti-racist and their family is racist. Um, so and then for um, and then for clients I see who are bipoc, um, it's. It can be around, you know, their own identity as um, BIPOC people in a culture that is incredibly racist, and um, and how they've internalized that 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 racism, and having to deal with that, and even though they've been in a, in families that have been talking with them about it and pr- trying to protect them from that their whole lives. Um, so there's just it's shame is everywhere. It's just everywhere, um, and it's and it's
1: so detrimental. And so let's connect that shame back to defensiveness then. I mean, what's what's the, cause yes, I, I see it through life, but I would yeah. love, I would yeah, love yeah. to hear from you. What is the connection then? Cause that, I think it's absolutely connected, but yeah. talk to me a little bit about where do you see that connection between shame and defensiveness?
2: Well, I think, I mean, so I think that shame, when you feel the shame, then the the way that defensiveness works is that uh, we don't want to feel that, right? So whatever, (laughs) that that shame is something we don't want to feel. So that's when defensiveness pops up and then it protects us from having to feel that. Um, So so anytime we start to, to feel that feeling then it's really easy to go into this, this place of no, no, that's not true. Or no, you know, or push back for whatever that the thing is, that's happening outside of us. And we try to to push it away because we want to push away from that thing and thing in us. And, and instead of pushing, instead of going toward that thing, which is the way we heal it, we try and push away Mm. from the, the people outside of us. Um, and I mean, and you know, some, I've heard even people talk about, um, Our country and the way that this country was formed and the way that uh, we we talk about the Declaration of Independence as a as as a defense mechanism. So as a defensive statement, because Mm -hmm. because because of genocide and because of slavery, because those two things are so aberrant and so awful that the way that we declared ourselves as um, as you know, as as enlightened and that all men are created equal and freedom, blah blah blah, all of that. That that is a defensive statement, in in saying, hey, look at, we're actually really good. We're like, we're great. We're, we're all about freedom. Meanwhile, yeah. here are these awful things that we are doing, these crimes against humanity that we are perpetrating, um, as a way of deflecting, and and not being accountable to what's true.
0: And so look how good at defensiveness, defending, and statements. Look how we've been taught how to um, deflect so well. And then we, we haven't taught a, a bit about how to uh, hold it, sit into it, lean into it. We, we were talking about that at Circle this morning of when that defensiveness feeling comes, comes up to, to first to stop, take a deep breath. Yeah figure like what is it that what is it that's causing that feeling? What am I hearing that I'm having a hard time holding? What is it? And it's almost like you need a little out of body experience to be able to set it to set it over here and go, let me see what that is. And so that's why these 13 characteristics listed out help you. Oh no no it's coming up, it's coming up. What is it? What is it? Okay, let me let me look and then to to even have a framework now to look at. Think about, you know, we didn't have internet and access to all the information that we do now, but um, think about those generations that we didn't have even something to look at. You can't fight it. You can't fix it. If you can't, can't see it, can't name it. And so now in this day and age, we can name it. We can see it. There's so many examples of it. And so to help you stop and breathe first to say, now, why is this coming up for me? What is this? What is this? What's going on here that I'm not, um, able to hear or get through the defensiveness and I'm running to you know throw all these you know bricks that are at the bottom of the pyramid or in the middle of the pyramid of. All these statements to to defend myself we've got a whole mountain of Defense to defend, but we have you know next to nil on hey what it let me, let me lean into that and. And and understand what's coming up for me, let me look at that, let me be curious about that. And then. um, To proceed with with that type of um covering instead of the boxing gloves on is to turn to call yourself up call yourself in Mm -hmm. first like okay what's going on with me okay now how can i get through this how can i how who can help with this what do i need to look at and gosh you've got tools at your fingertips you can google all of this (laughs) so that's something you know what
1: I'm having a thought that I can't articulate yet, but I'm listening to you Fresnel talk and Dr. Jen. And so I'm a language person and I'm thinking about the word defend. And it strikes me that when we talk about defend what, what's always defend something that is actually not true about yourself. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about defensiveness, it's always this attempt to defend a thing, to fight for a thing that is actually not true about, or it is really true about you and you don't wanna embrace it. And so as I think about this, this, even the term defend, it always comes when there's this ugly thing about you that someone is exposing and instead of Okay, it's like with an effect, an infection. An infection, the only way it can be healed is to be exposed to light and air, right? That's the only way that it can be healed. And what if defensiveness is covering that thing and not exposing it to air and light, right? And it's, it's we're gonna fight to keep that thing covered. And so defensiveness always will cause more bacteria to grow mm-hmm. and it will always cause festering right and so the opposite of defensiveness is exposure right
2: Mm -hmm. that's right i
1: mean it just is striking me that yes there's this connection even to wounds and healing and the thing that we are often most defensive about is that thing in ourselves that we're not willing to be exposed Mm -hmm. but the exposure is where the healing comes Mm -hmm. and that exposure is where we become a better version of ourselves right I don't know. I'm wrestling with this idea. Right I, I
2: love you, Aaron, because you, you, what you, what you do is you, <laughs> you do this great thing <laughs> where you are like, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing this thing. And then you, what you do is you, and you come up with um, right here on the spot things that, that other uh, other people have said in these other ways, but you are inventing them right here. And I love it because you invent them in ways that are really accessible to people. You just talked about Jung's shadow that nobody knows about, but that's what you just described. (laughs) That's what you just described (laughs) in a really accessible way, because that's exactly right. So Jung talks about the shadow, the shadow self that we have that keeps all of our like negative stuff in it. And that's what you just described. And and that we, and that it comes up when people point it out and that what we do is defend it and that what we, and how we get rid of it and how we get, how we open that up is through vulnerability, which is what you just said. Yeah. You said the way through it is to open our mouths and be vulnerable.
0: Our eyes, our hearts. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so- <laughs> okay,
2: I love that. I loved it.
1: It was so nice. <laughs> really well. I mean, it just became so apparent to me as I'm listening to y'all talk and I'm like, man. And I know for me, for my own personal self, the times when I get defensive are times when I actually know that what you're saying is there's some truth to that thing. Yeah. I just, I'm not ready to deal with it right now. And so I'm gonna yell at you and put up smoke screens, put up walls, a defense, right? A defense is a wall. I'm gonna mount a defense Mm-hmm. So then, I have a wall between me and the truth.
2: Yeah.
1: And that is that so that image to me suddenly is so clear right now yeah. that we build a wall. Our defense really is is trying to create a wall. And I think about all the students that I've had in my career, and for now, because we've taught little people for a long time, our our worst students who were talked back the most who showed up in ways, I always knew they were hurting. Mm-hmm. So their talking back was just trying to build a wall. I just wanna build a wall because I've been so hurt. I'm trying to build this wall so that I don't get hurt again, mm-hmm. right? And that's the same kind of defensiveness. It's not a defensiveness of, I think I'm better. It's a defensiveness of, I'm really wounded and I'm I'm afraid that I can't get better. And so I'm gonna put up this wall so that I don't have to deal with it because I don't know if I can deal with it.
0: Yeah. Oof. and as you've said many times aaron those walls when they're turned sideways are bridges that's our favorite yeah boat. yeah, yeah. And, that, and how you get them sideways is that authenticity mm. the vulnerability um and, and and that's that's what that's what kids are. that's that's who that's who they are and that's why you know people have a hard time being with them, taking them to hearing their truth because they're walls. They're, 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 they're not, they are walls they they are they do not we have to teach them how to build those.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. How to be defensive. We have to teach them how to, and so they watch us and they just model after us. So if we model the other way on how to be vulnerable, that's what draws them in. That's what they um, need from us and want from us. That's what they deserve from us. And mm-hmm. so as adults and in uh, youth life, Model, yeah. that. <clears throat> model that learning and I love how you said it Erin you said um, there was something going on <clears throat> and someone was uh, uh, attacking you about something and you said gosh they didn't have compassion for my learning you know yeah. it was something I hadn't heard of or I, I, mm-hmm. I didn't know and they were attacking me in such a way it's like they didn't even have compassion for my learning and I thought that was just beautiful that you you had compassion for yourself to go like gosh I, I, I know I don't know that but at least can you have compassion while I learned that, you know, and you didn't turn on the big defensive hose and fire back and all that, it's like just wait, give me a minute. And yeah, so, right. even, even to be able to say that for ourselves, or when it, when when that shame or attack is coming, it's like, well, give me a minute. I didn't I didn't know. And okay, let me let me breathe and lean into that. Let me let me see what's coming up. Let me you know let, let me have a chance to acknowledge, learn, and be vulnerable. Kids would much rather anybody would much rather you hear you say, you know what I. I don't know, but let me find out. Or I don't know yet, but, but let's discover together. That's what learning is. And
1: that's where, you know, I think about Dr. J and um, my run for office and how I lost my election, pretty much. Um, it's so interesting because those of you who are watching who are not Washingtonians or you weren't paying attention, there were some hit pieces written about me mm-hmm. around my... Um, some things that I had said about the LGBTQIA community. and the reality is I just was ignorant and I'll own that. I was ignorant. And I pushed in afterwards. I pushed in and I was like, okay, I take that feedback. You're absolutely right. I was wrong. I'm gonna push in and learn. and and, and what's interesting, the reason I'm bringing this up now, Dr. Jay, is because I did a training yesterday and there were some people who wouldn't show up for that training because of that article five years ago. Yeah. They're like we got nothing to learn from Aaron. We're never going to learn from Aaron because she said this thing 5 years ago. And I just feel sad for them in a lot of ways because no. Yeah. Man, I will acknowledge from the jumpstart. I don't know everything. Like I I and how can I? And like if can? there's anybody out there who says they know everything, I'm running. I'm running. <laughs> <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> I know. I I mean I felt I know I felt frustrated when I felt so frustrated when that whole thing happened to begin with I mean that was such I, to me that was such a complicated moment because of who you were running against and yes and how that all came <laughs> yes. down and and how and how you responded right away and then how he was expected to respond and then- Or not
1: respond. Or not
2: respond. And then <laughs> who in the, in the LGBTQ com- community was making noise about it. And I was, come on, this is, this is full of sexism and racism and the way we are responding. Can we please all calm down and listen to Erin, what she's saying immediately after she said this, immediately. And so, yeah, I, I I, really, I am sorry that people are not coming because I hated that moment and I don't know.
1: You know what though, it drew me to people like you. And I mean, I would say now that I have so many great friends who are either trans or non-binary or members of the LGBTQ advocacy community that I never would have known had that not happened. And so mm. I look back at that moment and I feel super blessed to have even though it was incredibly pain, like the most painful thing I think I've experienced in my adult life, Um, because there's nothing like being shamed publicly in newspapers and on social media, there's nothing like that. And again, this defensiveness, going back to this, I was willing to open up and say, okay, clean me out. Like I've got a wound that needs some cleaning, y'all just exposed it. And instead of saying, no, I'm a Christian, none of that. I said, no, I'm going to step into this and I'm going to learn and grow. And now I have all these connections because of it. And I am thankful for that.
0: Yeah. And that's what healing is. And if you don't want some healing, then stay locked up in your defensive wall and cage and the carry that weight around is just exhausting. Mm. So um, get free by opening opening. Call yourself yeah, and I, I like
1: it. I, I want to say to Fresnel too, um, publicly here, I know that um, you have experienced some people this week that were not healthy and not compassionate. And I just so appreciate your pushing in too mm. and showing compassion for yourself and being vulnerable yourself and not getting defensive. Like you're modeling, you model for me what this is. Mm. what this work, you are an incredible model of this work. And so I just want to, to say to you that not only are you modeling for young people, the truth of this message, you are modeling for me mm. and for other women who are around you, what it means to show up and, and be your full self and, and to take critique and to know when that critique is genuine. And when that, again, when it's when it's this, or when it's that. So those of you that are listening, um, when it's, when critique is meant to shame and oppress, we don't receive it. Right. When critique is sent to us, that's meant to build us, we take it. And I just appreciate for now that you're modeling, man, what is the stuff I should be listening to? And what is the stuff that I need to just let it roll? And it hurts. It hurts. Mm. But I just need to let it roll off my back.
0: Then, thank you for that I I received that because this is I just was uh, talking to Vincent and Kim about this and I said, this is the first time that i've really had the mirrors uh, in my life to reflect back to me and that's you, Jen, Vincent Aaron Oliver equity Institute people and folks and. um, And so I received that because i'm a reflection of you as well what I'm what you're seeing in me is what I see in you Mm. and we're all in this reflection and mirror and I've known that for so long and that's why I show up the way I do and with with students and with kids because I want them to well what you said already at the beginning to reflect that back so I'm just just now getting a chance to feel that in my adult life so I thank you both for that as well it's just beautiful and I, I almost don't know how to receive it because I've, I've, I've it's been I know how to do it but I'm like I want to see that too so thank you I'm seeing it and feeling it so.
1: so friends as we as we finish this podcast what are what are some like final words or things that you want our listeners to hold on to as they move into this week to think about defensiveness and how to really fight against that what are some of your thoughts Dr. Jay? how about you
2: um, well, one of, I've been thinking a lot about this for white people and the places and their place our place in this movement. Um, and and what, I, what I've hear I, I hear white people struggling with, do I have a place in this movement? Should I do anything in this movement? and then and then trying to listen to uh the the conversation that bipoc people are having and and the the answer to that question among bipoc people varies. It's widely. Some people say, Yes, you have a place in this movement. Other people say no, you have no place in this movement. And so, what I so I'm trying to figure this out for me. And what I've decided is, I can't. I I am not. I cannot look outside of myself for for validation for working on being an anti-racist. So I can't, so I, I also cannot look outside of myself for invalidation for working on this. And I'm gonna be, I'm going to get critiqued and I'm going to not be critiqued. And my job is to stay in the game yes, and be uncomfortable yes. probably yeah. for the rest of my life. So that is my job. That is my job. Yeah. And that is the job of white people to stay in the game and know you are going to be uncomfortable for the rest of your life
0: so stay in there and along with that uh discomfort become comes the deep sense of your true self that you get to authentically be you get to tap Mm -hmm. into the emotions that you weren't allowed to have weren't that which is part of the white supremacy culture you're not allowed to have those emotions you only get to be within this box this range this especially you know white female we all have our little roles and so um my answer is always yes and yes you're going to be uncomfortable yes stay in the game and you're going to become the most beautiful and authentic and vibrant person you have ever been in your life. That's right. Connected to those people who are doing the same. So exactly. yes and
1: that's good. I think I want to end by reading two of the the antidotes to this from the document. It says work on your own defensiveness, name defensiveness as a problem when it is one. Yes. And I for myself am trying to be much more aware can when I find myself wanting to be defensive, what is the thing I'm covering? And also naming that. Like what is the thing that I'm actually afraid will be exposed? And being more intentional about letting myself speak that out as well. Because once you speak it out, it can, it gets into the light again. It's like the, it's like the the wound. Um, so, what do I need to expose? I can't ask people to do this if I'm not willing to do it too. So, um, really checking myself and calling a thing a thing, I think, is really important in this work. And mm-hmm. I've always expected myself to model what I ask people. It's part of my training. Every time I do training, is I don't ask y'all to do what I'm not willing to do. So, I have to hold myself, even with this defensiveness piece, I have to hold myself accountable to be to check in when I find myself wanting to give an excuse. And say, oh, no, Erin, you got to take care of that thing yourself first. So, well, thank you, friends, so much for another fabulous conversation about all the things. Yes. Thank
0: Thank you. You. Tuning in to all the things.
2: To find Franelle Miller, look up for her at The Root of Us on Facebook and Instagram, as well as LinkedIn. And check out her book, You Are Here, Field Guide for Racial Reality on the website.
1: If you want to reach Dr. Jensow, you can find them on LinkedIn
0: or at brick13.com. If you're looking for Erin Jones, you can find her on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. You can also purchase a copy of her book. She co-authored Thrive on Amazon. Until next time.
2: Keep talking.
0: About all the things. Yay! Woo! Rockstar. rock stars. <laughs>